This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, in order to understand the readings for today, this fourth Sunday of Advent, we have to move into a Davidic space. I mean, a space that's characterized, conditioned by King David. Along with Moses and Abraham, David was the most important figure in the Old Testament. His kingship represented the fulfillment of so many of the expectations of Israel. And his reign became synonymous with imperial power and with peace. It was the high point of Israelite life. Moreover, David received an extraordinary promise, unlike a promise given to any other figure in the Old Testament. You'll find it recorded in the second book of Samuel. Through the prophet Nathan, God informed David that David's line would last forever and that a son of his body would rule over Israel forever. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you say, okay, a line that lasts forever, I kind of get that, that your line will just go on and on endlessly. But then the second part of the promise, that somehow the fruit of your body, a descendant of yours, would rule over Israel forever. Something very mystical, very strange about that prediction. Now, during the long years that followed the time of David, it's fair to say that Israel remained haunted by the memory of this great king and haunted even more by this promise. Now, soon after David's reign, his united empire fell apart. It split into two kingdoms, north and south. And the kings of both north and south proved to be pretty pathetic characters, even those who were the descendants of David. Still the people, prompted by their prophets, hoped in this promise. They hoped that one day a definitive king would emerge from David's line, and he would unite the country, and he would bring peace. Okay? Now, this is precisely the hope that's articulated by one of the minor prophets from whom we hear today in the first reading. I'm talking about Micah. Micah was a seer, a prophet, who lived and wrote in the 8th century BC, so that's about 250 years after David. Channeling the words of the Lord, here's what Micah says, and it's, it's part of our first reading today. Listen. You, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too small to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient times. He's singing the praise here of Bethlehem. Why? 
Well, Bethlehem was the city of Jesse, the father of David. It's the city where David was born, where he worked as a young man, as a shepherd. Across all of Israelite history, Bethlehem was, continues to be to this day, a tiny place, a sort of insignificant suburb of Jerusalem. And that's why it's so interesting that the the prophet draws such attention to it. You, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too small to be among the clans of Judah, you're, you're an insignificant little town. But from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel. In other words, this long-awaited descendant of Israel, of David, rather. That's why he says, whose origin is from of old, from ancient times. See, for Micah, David was already ancient times. Think of our relationship maybe to George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. It's about that length of time between Micah and David. So he's saying, way, way back then, your father David flourished, but you will come from Bethlehem Ephrathah. Now, what will this great Davidic figure do? Listen again to Micah from our first reading. And the rest of his kindred shall return to the children of Israel. He shall stand firm and shepherd his flock. Now, remember, under David, for a brief and shining moment, Israel was united. But, as we saw, soon after his death, the nation fell apart. The dream was that the new David, this great descendant of David, would bring the tribes back together. He'd reunite the country. But then there was an even greater dream. Listen again to Micah. For now his greatness shall reach to the ends of the earth. He shall be peace. It's that theme now. You can see it in Isaiah. You can see it in Jeremiah. You can see it in many of the Psalms. A united Israel, under its Davidic king, would become a magnet to draw the rest of the world into unity. When the whole world would come together under this Davidic king, then all would be well. There will be peace. See, David, by bringing the tribes together, by conquering the enemies of Israel, brought peace for that brief shining moment. The dream now is his descendant will do the same thing. He'll unite Israel, but then something even grander. He'll unite the whole world and be a sort of prince of peace. That's what Micah is saying. Now, all of this would have been in the minds and hearts of first century Israelites as they took in the phenomenon of Jesus of Nazareth. See, here's something, friends, that we got to be really careful about because, you know, 2,000 years later, we look at Jesus through very particular lenses. Today, you know, early 21st century, we tend to look at him, if we do at all, as a spiritual teacher. He's a wise figure, an inspiring um, teacher. They would have gotten that in the first century, but they would have gotten much more They would have been looking at him through a much different set of lenses. And above all, this lens of the Davidic promise, the Davidic expectation. They would have been staring at him through David lenses. And so, with all that in mind, 
Welcome to our gospel for today, which is positively packed with Davidic motifs. Let me just backtrack a little bit before we get to the gospel text. One of David's principal moves was to take the Ark of the Covenant and bring it into Jerusalem. Remember the Ark, the the resting place of the remnants of the Ten Commandments. It was seen as the dwelling place of God. David's great genius was to bring the Ark into Jerusalem, and it would become thereby the, the center point of the country. The Ark, we were told in 2 Samuel, had been resting in the house of a fellow named Obed-Edom, who lived in the hill country of Judea. That's where the Ark was, and David took it from the hill country and brought it into Jerusalem. As he brought the Ark into the holy city, remember this beautiful scene, it's in 2 Samuel, he danced before it with a sort of reckless abandon. With that, let's look at our gospel for today. Mary has just heard the word of the angel announcing that she would be the mother of God. The child, she was told by the angel, listen now, would receive the throne of his father David and would reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now, no first century Israelite would miss that. What the angel was saying was, This child of the house of David is the fulfillment of Nathan's prophecy. That's exactly what the angel is saying. See, we probably hear those words and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would have known exactly what that meant. He'd receive the throne of his father David and would reign in the house of Jacob, mind you, forever. We're not talking about just a great king like David, reign for 30 years, 40 years. Someone who would reign forever. Now, what does this entail? It entails that for the next nine months, Mary would be the definitive Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because she would be the ultimate bearer of the divine presence. She's the Ark now, in the definitive sense. So in our Gospel for today, what's the first thing we hear? She went in haste to the hill country of Judea to visit her cousin Elizabeth. But see, again, no first century Jew is going to miss the hill country of Judea. That's where the ark was. That's where the ark was when David came to get it. And so she's now the definitive new ark going to the hill country of Judea. And then this splendid detail. The infant John the Baptist in the womb of his mother Elizabeth, we hear, leaps for joy upon hearing Mary's voice. How come? Mary is now the voice of the Ark of the Covenant, and the infant John the Baptist in his mother's womb is doing his version of David's dance. It's a dance now before the Ark of the Covenant. All of this, told in this, in this splendidly poetic way, is meant to signal to us just who this Jesus is and what his mission would be. Watch now in the gospel that ensues, how throughout his public life, Jesus gathers in the tribes of Israel. Going out to the woman at the well, 
going out to the man born blind, going out to Zacchaeus, going out to the Gerasene demoniac, etc., etc. Notice how he engages in open table fellowship, inviting saints and sinners, inviting insiders and outsiders, inviting those who are acceptable, those on the margins. Notice how he heals and forgives. The point is, he's not just being a nice, inclusive fellow. He's doing what the Davidic Messiah was expected to do. He will gather the tribes. And then, at the climax of his life, this new David finds himself nailed to a cross, on which the Roman governor, Pontius Pilatus, had affixed a sign, announcing in the three major languages of that time and place, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, that there was a new king of the Jews. Now, Pilate meant that as a joke, didn't he? But the joke was on him, because the king of the Jews, that means the new David, is the one who will draw the tribes of Israel together, and and according to Nathan's promise, and according to Micah's prophecy, who would now draw the nations of the world together. When the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself, Jesus said. This is exactly what St. Paul's mission was, was to go out to all the world and tell them they have a new king, a new Lord. And see, friends, this is why these ancient texts, going back to Micah, coming up to the gospel, are so important for us, because this continues to be the mission of a church to the present day. It's called evangelization announcing the lordship of this new David, this fulfillment of Nathan's prophecy, as the Lord of all the nations. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.